Women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. Welcome. My guest today is a former swimmer, a former research scientist, and the host of the Top 50 podcast, Beyond the Finish Line. She's on a mission to lift the lid on the challenges that athletes faces when they retire and help them to take the step from athletes to entrepreneur. My guest today is Rachel Boardman. So Rachel, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to, um, to interview you today because you're just an, a magnificent person. And um, you, I'm going to say that again, you are an incredible, magnificent person, an ex-athlete. And um, I'm just um, thrilled to interview you. So, so tell me about your, your PhD. Um, yeah, well, so I guess what, the reason why I ended up going and doing that was um, at the, like towards the end of, of my undergraduate, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, and kind of the advice that I'd always been given, the advice that I've always follow and I still follow is like, do what you enjoy and follow your gut instinct. And what I'd found out during my undergrad was I'd done the, like a, a placement year where I'd gone into the hospital labs because um, my uh, undergrad was in biomedical science. So I went into the undergrad, uh, the hospital labs and worked in the hematology labs. And while I worked in there, I also did like a research project um, to do with the uh, mass spectrometry and basically trying to bring in other, another diagnostic advice to help them diagnose um, like more rare things to do with um, like your blood anomalies, like your sickle cell anemia stuff, but your more rare stuff. Because um, where I live in Manchester, it's a really diverse popul population. So we have people from all different backgrounds. So it was, it was um, something that they were always battling with. Um, and that kind of, I really enjoyed doing that. So I was like, I, I want to do research. And then again, through my, in the final year, it did like a, you do a research project and that kind of confirmed that. So I was like, and I, and then on top of that, I was like, well, I really enjoyed teaching. <laughs> and as, um, so for my athlete background, I went and did, uh, I, I'm a swimming teacher. So I do that. I still do that to a, to a degree when coronavirus isn't, isn't around. Right. Um, so that was kind of the natural route was to kind of go for go on for further study and um, I was very lucky to um, land a, a PhD uh, role over at Nottingham University and we was, I was basically I was studying um, what controls the leakiness of a blood vessel that's that's in basic terms that was what I was researching um, and it was um, very it was it was an experience to say the least um, because you were different whereas like um i don't know what the, the obviously i feel like i think phds over in the us are are a little bit different um to the way that they they are in the uk maybe i'm not i'm not sure i've not, I've not done one but um it's you're very much it's very much like a job 
Um, you turn up, you do your research, you do your stuff, and then you don't you don't do classes like you would in as an undergraduate. So it was like a whole role shift, um, figuring out like doing this project that nobody else was really in the lab was doing anything that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that 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 was a difficulty, and I'd. Um, I did my undergrad down the road like I lived 10 minutes down the road during my uh, bachelor's degree Um, but then I moved two hours away like two hours doesn't sound like a lot but like for someone that's very a home person that that, like loves being around my family it was like a huge move for me Um, and that was something (laughs) that I really really struggled with um, for for definitely for the like the first year or so um until I kind of formed those connections with the people in the lab and I kind of made those friendships that is, that is cool so you live in the UK so for people who are listening yeah. um in the UK which is and I love your accent <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a and then you uh, end up with a PhD you worked um, on a PhD for um studying leaky vessels right and yeah. so what are some of the diseases from leaky vessels that affects women that affect women um well the, the to be honest the big one like um you get a lot of um leaky vessels in cancers like in your t- like so you breast tumor tumors and above and any kind of solid tumor that um that needs um blood vessels to supply with the nutrients um and but those the blood vessels that surround it are very um they're very leaky like they're, they're not they're not mature they're very like they're immature vessels like you get um, your oxygenated blood mixing with the deoxygenated blood and everything's not working right so kind of the 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 thought process is is if we can kind of figure out how we can make those vessels mature and figure out how we can kind of control them a little bit then we can control the the drugs that we send through the blood vessels um in, to to destroy the tumors so if you've got a better blood supply then you need less of that drug to get to the to because to, you need to give the person less of the drug because more of it is going to get there um, than it would without the better blood vessels if that makes sense i don't right. know if I explain, explain that very well <laughs> So if you have better um, circulation, so how does, um, you're, you're a swimmer, um, yeah. so how does um, fitness, how does that um, correlate with um, the leaky um, vessels? Um, so like in just in general fitness, you have, um, so the growth of blood vessels is called angiogenesis. It's, you know, that's the formation of blood vessels and that happens physiologically um when you build your muscles up for exercise and and for females every single month that process happens through menstruation um and basically the 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 thought process so the way that i was looking at i was wasn't I wasn't really looking at diseases i was looking at the basic this is what this is what happens in a normal process because if we know what happens in a normal process then we can look at what happens in the disease process and figure out the the like what's going wrong so that that was kind of where I, the process that i was looking at it um but yeah so in terms of physiological like process with your muscles um the more your muscles grow you've got more muscle tissue in there so it needs more blood vessels to supply that extra tissue with um with with your um like your oxygen and your nutrients that you need and obviously to take the waste away um 
but like the interesting thing is is that like your blood vessels um they're not like a like a like a tube or a pipe that you have in your house um they they're they're they have a natural leakiness so they let certain things through that the things that need to get out and the things that need to get in to serve the rest of your body um but when the process gets to the point where it's letting things out that it, or it's letting too much out and you've lost the control or it's not letting enough things out that's where that's where the issues kind of happen and you end right. up with the swelling and and then your edemas and um that kind of thing and the diseases right yeah right so tell me about um your time as an as an elite athlete yeah so well i was i've always like as most people who who swim they usually learn as a little kid like the reason why I learned was because my parents when they went on holiday they wanted to not have to worry about me drowning in the pool at the hotel right. they wanted to be able to relax that's why I learned to swim they didn't bargain on me wanting to take it further like that's what I took like most people I tried a bunch of different sports as a kid but swimming was always the one that stood out I just wanted to be in the pool just wanted to be like swimming up and down I remember I used to so when I'd have I'd have my lessons at, in like this small pool and then in the big pool, you'd see all like the big swimmers um, swimming up and down. Um, and they'd be in like before I got there and then they'd be in after, they'd still be there when after I left kind of thing. And I used to make my mum take me to my swimming lesson like early just so I could sit and watch them. And um, that's how like into it was. Um, but I was really, I was, I was really lucky. Like um, I was lucky to, I feel like I was, I was lucky to have great coaches along the way. And I had, um, I was able to, um, like I was, I was the best. I, my stroke was breaststroke, um, and I was the best at breaststroke for my in my club. I remember to the club champs, and at like the age of like eleven, I, I won for my not just my age group, but I had the fastest time in the whole club, which was just surreal, really. Um, wow! And I went on. I I went on. I um, I won. I was count the Lancashire County champion, and I represented my county and helped them go on to win the like the inter county championships, which was which was pretty cool. Um, I was regional champion. I um, went to nationals, competed at nationals, was top twenty in my age group. Um, I went with my club, and we I, we competed at um, a big international like swimming festival in Germany, and that was pretty cool. Like that was my kind of only international kind of. Um, experience but it was it was pretty cool to actually get a chance to do that we would go on training camps every every February um so I had like a really cool experience and lots of different experiences but um when I was 15 um I I had pneumonia twice unfortunately um and that Aww. was that was like my my huge setback and I had um scarring on my lungs from that because basically like I had like I think I got diagnosed like in the beginning of June and like in July I I was back in the pool competing. I should not have been doing that, but nobody yeah, nobody around not. me had the had the knowledge to be able to to tell me that that's not what I should be doing. <laughs> um, right. So and like as any athlete out there will tell you like if you got some kind of injury or illness the one thing you want you want to be back as soon as possible you don't want to take it slow. definitely like I felt within myself like at that point I was like oh I feel really good but because obviously your lungs are inside you don't can't see them it's not like a broken arm um you don't really like you can be you can be okay sat on the sofa watching tv but as soon as you start swimming up and down that kind of thing like I couldn't swim butterfly for like 
near like five months after after I had like pneumonia I was just couldn't swim it was just too taxing on my lungs um and I struggle sometimes with breaststroke because it's a really hypoxic stroke for anyone that, that doesn't know because you can only breathe once per stroke like you have to breathe at that particular point in the stroke when your head comes out of the water apart from that right. whereas like backstroke you can breathe all the time because you're on your back and free and front crawl you can breathe like all the time you can breathe every side if you want and the same with butterfly um so um it can be quite a hypoxic stroke but it kind of went on and i had like scarring in my lungs and it took me three years from being like from being diagnosed to um getting to the point where i did a personal best time again um, and that was hard because right. I so I watched all all my teammates like continue to progress, continue to make nationals, make British champs, go and swim in the, for English schools, go and swim for the GB juniors type thing. And I, I was just stuck in the same place. And it was frustrating. Right. Right. Definitely. Because I mean, I, as an athlete, I mean, as a runner and, um, and whenever I've gotten in, in, injured in the past. And the thing is for me, um, when you get injured as an athlete, as you said, you want to always um, get back into your sport because you don't want to be left behind. And if a coach will tell you, no, don't, <laughs> you can't work out. That's the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but I mean, as I know, when I, I hurt my knee, and, um, you know, my coach would say, you know, well, you know, don't, you know, you need to take it slow. And it's like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. You know? And how do you feel? I'm good. Because you don't want to be injured and you want to get back in there. And sometimes you don't know because that, that knee injury really helped, um, you know, end my career, right. As a, as a yeah. athlete, as a runner, because, um, it, um, it became a chronic injury and it just kept bothering me all the time. And I ran, you know, with, um, with this chronic injury, but because of that, that knee injury, it um, prevented me from being my best only because I was stubborn. And I, when I, and I got injured, I did not want to, um, rest. <laughs> so I understand. Yeah. I, I feel, yeah. I feel like a lot of times that, that we all forget whether we're athletes or not, that like rest is such an important part yes. of life, whether it's recovering from an injury and illness or just like letting your body recharge right. from the day. Um, and it's, it's such an underrated thing. And I think I feel like because of the, what I went through, through, through in my swimming career that I kind of appreciate that. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I still forget about it. Like, like literally the other week, like I was feeling ridiculously exhausted and I just had to turn around and go, Rachel, you've done it again. You need to like, just have a few days where you do nothing. And I did and right. I felt much better, but you know, rest <laughs> is important It's a, because sometimes we're just drained and we give so much uh, with our work or in our own business. And then, um, we forget about ourselves and, you know, resting is so important. Now, Rachel, I want to talk to you about your business now. How do you help athletes make the transition from being an athlete into becoming an entrepreneur or, um, you know, whatever it is that they want to do in life? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the big ways that I've, I've been in um, is I, well, I started my podcast and that was a big thing just to, um, open up the conversation and and you know show people that it's okay to like struggle when you leave sport um i've spoke to like 
over in the last six months i spoke to like over 50 or 50 different athletes from all different backgrounds different from all over the world who are now going and doing wonderful things in business um of their own and it was just a case of um sharing their conversations and they all they've all had so many different um experiences but they all have had similar kind of struggles that they went through and uh, that was one of the reasons why i started the podcast um and then off the back of that i kind of saw that people um were you know wanted, wanted the needing that little bit of guidance um and that's kind of where where, where that kind of came from and just helping them um i know for me um it was about having that mindset shift and realizing that um and and coming to terms with the, the identity um of of yes I am an athlete. I will always be an athlete, but it's not all of who I am and, and processing those feelings and what happened. And, um, it's just, just be the case of helping other people do that. Um, and just sharing my experiences. And these are the things that help me through, like, don't get me wrong. I am no way an expert. All this is just, this is what I found has helped me and helped some other people. And hopefully it will help you. Um, um, and then like more recently, and this is just like really random, like people started looking and say, uh, asking me, um, uh, cause I, through this whole process of like building my, um, podcast, I got thrown into like the, the digital marketing world. And I don't know how, how, if you know, if, if ClickFunnels and Russell Brunson, oh, yes. that, that whole I'm aware of, of those guys. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of threw me into the, the funnels, the sales funnels world. And I like started messing around and click funnels and people were like, Oh, you're actually quite good at this. Well, you do it for me. And then, so I've been doing that as nice. well, which is, um, oh, which is always fun. And just like helping people to tell their stories, not, not just on the show, but through their, like their own website and funnels in, in just a different way. Cause I think for me, that's the big thing is, is helping people tell their stories so that they can help impact other people. Um, it does. So what are some of the struggles that um, and athletes have in making that transition into the regular world, if I can say regular? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's, it's that um, one of the big ones is, especially for those that have made it to the top of their sport, it's, it's like, well, now I have and now I one I have to how do I start from the bottom in a in a in a company like I've been at the top I'm an expert in my sport lab and all those kind of things and now I've got to work my way up again do I really want to do that is that something that I can do and then like related to that is all I know is sport like I'm an like I'm I'm a football I'm a swimmer I'm a gymnast I'm I'm a tennis player you know whatever it is that's all I've done for the whole of my right. life like I don't have any actual work experience outside of sport um and just realizing that they've got attributes and skills and they've learned stuff they might not have gone and you know worked in an office for for work experience or they might not have like done a what what we'd go not everyone would call a regular job but they've still got those transferable skills and it's just realizing that and being able to um, put that across right. to, to other people. That's, that's definitely true because as an athlete, in order to become the best that you can be and, and, and the ones who've reached the highest level, what they have a lot of qualities that they can use and transfer into, um, you know, normal world into a, a different um, expertise, 
Um, so, I mean, determination, being focused. There's so many good things that being an athlete, um, you know, I've taught you. And I think a lot of times athletes don't realize their, their inner strength. They don't, just, they don't realize how powerful what they have and, what, and how they can transition that into something else. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think there's, there's, there's more things happening now to help athletes do that but there's still a, like a lot of people especially those that like make it to the top or even those that make it a little bit of the way and then kind of find themselves floundering in the in, in, yes. in the middle of the water like well I thought I was going to do this but it didn't really right. work what the hell am I going to do exactly now? oh for sure because I know um you know for me as an athlete, um, I had a hard time re retiring from, from track and field, you know, and my, my knee was hurting, I was injured. And I said, okay, it's time to move on, do something different. But my identity was tied up as a, this, um, you know, Olympian, this runner, this sprinter. And that was who I, Esme Lawrence, that's who I was. And, you know, and so trying to find my way, cause I was lost trying to, <laughs> in the real world thinking, yeah. okay. You know, and then after I, after I became, um, after I retired, I couldn't get a job. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I was like, I'm an Olympian. I can't get a job, you know, because I didn't know, really didn't know who I was. And, and then I had to realize, as you said, going back to the bottom, I had to go back to school. I had to, um, you know, upgrade my high school um, courses and then start from the bottom and, mo and uh, move up. And that's what I did because I was lost, you know. And so now I realize I'm more than an athlete. And a lot of athletes, I mean, my son is a swimmer and he thinks of all he is, is a swimmer. That's it. That's all he wants to do is a swimmer. And I'm trying to tell him, you know, that you're more than a swimmer, right? <laughs> but he doesn't care about anything else. He's at that stage. <laughs> he just, he's just a swimming nerd. He just wants to swim. That's all he wants. I mean, there's nothing wrong nothing. with that. I mean, to be, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, not everybody, I think a lot of the times, especially if you're an athlete, a lot of people, um, think that you have to do something in sport as well like whether that's you you go and be a coach or is are you going like pundit or you know into broadcasting or media or whatever right. it is um and that's not for that is not for everybody um and i feel and then but there's those that kind of expectations because you see so many um athletes go and do that or rather those are the people that you see going and doing that whereas you don't see the people that go off and do other things um so you don't really know about it and again that was one of the things that i wanted to kind of highlight in in in, in my in my show um that you can there there are a multitude of different options for you whatever you want right. to go and do and so for you what were some of the struggles in making that transition um I didn't know what I wanted to do. That was the big thing for me. Like I felt like if when I was, um, so I stopped swimming when I, just before I started uni, um, that I, I was, I had a bad breakup with it is the way that, that it kind of, um, happened. Everything that had happened, um, kind of with the pneumonia. And then I'd, I, I got back, it took me three years to get back. And then I had a great season, which called me made, which like ended in me missing the, the national championship qualifying time by sixth, one hundredth wow. second. And I just, yeah, which was devastating, yeah. but I didn't process that information. I didn't give myself the time. I didn't, well, I didn't really know I needed to. Um, <laughs> and I didn't give myself the time. I didn't have the time because I was going into my final year before I got, went off to university. So I had to decide what course I was doing, where I was going. I had training, I had 
exams and coursework and all this going on um, and it just got to the point where I was like I can't do this anymore um, and so I, I hung up my goggles and I went off to university threw myself into that threw myself into scouting because I was um, in, the, in the scout association for most of my life um, and I did that and then when I got to, I just didn't give myself time to process what was going on but I didn't really know what I wanted to do like I, um, I knew I wanted the one thing that has always kind of guided me was I knew I wanted to do something that makes me happy and something where I had an impact on other people's lives. That was that was like the only thing that I knew. Um, and kind of it got to the point through like halfway through my PhD where I was like, this isn't for me. What the hell am I doing? Um, I know this isn't the right path for me, but I don't know what yeah. it is. So I, I did a load of research, like what can I do with my PhD? I can go and do all these different jobs and whatever, but like, None of them really sparks like that, that interest in me. I was like, yeah, sure, I could go and do that. Um, it, it'd be all right, it'd be good money, whatever. But it was like, none of them really got me excited. Um, and then like I'd had through the scouts, I'd done a couple, I'd been to a couple of World Scout Moots, which is like a big international scout camp for like, scouts from all over the world come and we all camp together and we had a, um, an amazing time and you get to meet all different cultures and that kind of, so I'd been to one in, Kenya and I've been to one in Canada um, and it kind of set off a bit of a the travel bug nice. in me and I was like do you know what I just I just want to go and travel so what following like my PhD I kind of got a job um, and I saved up some money and then I flew to the other side of the world and I spent most of the last two years traveling Australia and like do and I went on my own and it was amazing it's one of the best things that I ever did because it gave like I got to see loads of different amazing stuff that I probably wouldn't have seen. I got to try out different jobs that I would never have, have, have kind of got to do. I spent three months on a dairy farm working wow. on a dairy farm. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I got to drive a tractor every day. Like, what, you know, what, what more do you want? Um, but it also gave me, I had a lot of time to just reflect and think and figure out who I am, what I want to do. And I'd never... I'd never had that time before right. ever to do that and kind of help me figure out where I wanted to go and, and, you know, become unlost. Unlost. Um, I like that word unlost. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true because, you know, a lot of us, I said, when we retire, we're just lost. And I know that was a perfect word for me feeling lost, you know? Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I was lucky because my mom, you know, said, she said, go back to school. <laughs> right. She gave me that wise, um, you know, um, word, go back to school in wisdom. And, uh, and that's exactly what I did because, uh, you know, but even when I went back to school and I would watch track and field on TV, I was like, I can beat her. I want to go back. <laughs> so it was wanting to, to return, you know, yeah, I know but, but then feeling. I know, um, the, you know, what it, it took to become an Olympian and I, I was ready to move on and I didn't want to spend that much time training. You know, at that point, it's like, I'm yeah. thinking, for what? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I did the best I could. Now it's time to move on. So, Rachel, tell me now, how do you decrease um, stress in your life? How do I de stress. decrease yes. stress? How do you, what do you do to decrease stress? Um, exercise is the big one for me. Um, I, like we were just saying before, um, like it, since lockdown, we've not had access to the gym, which is like, a, like been like so surreal. Um, so I've made myself, I so, so lucky that I live like two minute walk away from this, like really big park. It's called Heaton Park is in Manchester. It's nice. awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, so 
I, I've been, I go for a walk in there every single day. Sometimes, well, not every single day in there, but I go for a walk every single day. Sometimes it's just 20 minutes. Sometimes it's more than an hour, but that, that um, time to get out and do something and get my brain away from somewhere, from being at home, from being or doing work or, or whatever. It's just that time where it's me and my thoughts. Sometimes I listen to a podcast, sometimes I won't. Um, it's just my thoughts and just like being in nature and being outside. And that was one of the things that I really like, I noticed when I was in Australia. Like they have such an outside yes. culture, like everything is geared up to be outside. And so I spent a lot more time outside than I kind of probably did at home because like half the year in, in the UK, we don't have weather where you can be outside. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's like UK rainy, before and it's like raining. <laughs> that was raining. <laughs> yeah, yeah not surprised at all um so it can and that I noticed how much like I love being outside like I always kind of knew that because I spent I'd done a lot of camping and that kind of thing um but I've made a conscious effort to make sure that I'm doing something every day where I I get outside and I have to do some form of exercise um and then the other thing is um I've cut down the use of my of social media um on my phone like um I was talking to my coach a while back and he was saying that he stopped, like he doesn't look at his phone for the first hour of the day and it helps yes. so much. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to try that. So I start, like I turned off, like literally the only thing, only notifications that come through my phone is like someone rings me, someone texts me, or if I like I get WhatsApp, cause that's how my family right. communicates through WhatsApp. Right. Um, everything else, like I actually physically have to go and check it myself. Um, it doesn't like, I don't get notifications on my phone. So I like, don't even like turn on the Wi-Fi or the data on my phone until like, usually after 10, 10 a.m. in the morning right. now, like, um, and I've noticed that I'm checking my phone less. I'm feeling less anxious. I didn't even think I was like anxious or addicted to my phone until I stopped doing this, but it's kind of, I, I'm a pretty chilled out person anyway. Most people say I'm so laid back and horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it's helped, it's, it's like, like it's helped like that kind of stress, like the anxiety and the, the, the not having to like need my phone all the time. Like I've gone out for walks without having my, like leaving my phone at home, which like I've never right. done before. Definitely. No. Actually, you know, I re really agree with you because um, I turn off Facebook off my phone. I've turned on the only thing mm -hmm. that's on my phone is um, email, um, you know, because I mean, I would have all these other stuff uh, um, and it, it would be interrupting me, <laughs> you know, so it'd be, um, you know, I, you know, like alerting me to things that I don't really want to know about. And so it's a, it was a disruption. So I just, um, you know, I turned off all the notifications for that, took off Facebook off my phone, took, took off, um, you know, all LinkedIn, all those social media stuff. And so when I want to check them, then I'll go and check them on my laptop. But, um, but yeah, because it was just, you know, it was too much of a distraction. And I find that everybody wants my attention. Um, you know, so that's one of the big thing is for me is, you know, as you said, turn off that, turn off those social media stuff. You know, um, when you wake up and look, I belong to the 5 a.m. club, <laughs> I get a lot done um, in the mornings. Um, so I, I do, you know, whatever I need to do. And then, um, you know, later on in the day after I finish work, I can always check my social media if I want to, you know, if I want to check LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it is. Right. But yeah, I, I want, I want to, you know, do it when I want to do it. Not, not mm -hmm. when they notify me. Oh yeah. Somebody says this. Somebody says that. Like, I don't care. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's this like, um, 
unwritten rule that you kind of have to respond to an email or a Facebook message or a LinkedIn message like straight away. And if you don't, then you're a I bad know, person. Exactly. You know, I just know I'm not, I'm not going to respond on your timeline. I have a life too. Right. And I find like, I'm also, I, I said, know a lot um, too on social media um, because, um, you know, I'm trying to get stuff done. And if you say yes to everything, then, then you're busy helping others and never helping yourself. Right. You know, so, I want to yeah. make sure that I, you know, I'm writing my book. I am, you know, I'm, I'm learning to become a better person. I, I you know, I, I do some you know, personal development. So these things are important to me, right? So I need time for that. Um, you know, so I'll say no and I'll, I'll say, okay, in a couple months, because I need that time to, um, to, for myself to, to develop as a, as a person, right? But if you're distracted so, so much by social media, everybody wants something on social media, right? Because there's so many of us on social media, right? You know, so you could spend the whole time a year helping others and end up, you know, neglecting yourself. And of course, you know, being burnt out, right? So I, I say, uh, no, 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 or a delay, you know, a delay helps me because um, I can say, okay, in a month or two months, which works better for me. So Rachel, um, what would you like to, to share with our audience today? Um, I think for me, it would be that you just have to, to take time for yourself. I think that that is, um, a lesson that I think I've always kind of done, but it's only become kind of, um, a conscious thing for me in the last year or so that you did that you need to put yourself first yes. um and I, I i love the analogy you know like when you're on the when you're on the on the plane and they're doing the safety announcements and they say like if the the masks come down you have to put the, your mask on before you help somebody else and i think that's something that that we we all need to remember in our own lives yes we all love to help other people and it makes us feel better and it's awesome to help people reach right. their goals but if you're not looking after yourself and putting yourself first then you're going to be at a point where you're not going to be able to um, get any further. You know, you, you're going to, you're, you're the one that's going to be, everybody else is going to um, have to help. Um, and that's probably not a, really a place that we all want to be. Definitely. So where can people reach you on social media? Um, I'm pretty active on it, on everywhere, to be honest. Um, you can find me, I'm on Instagram, um, at Rach Boardman, um, linked, I'm on LinkedIn, you can connect on me there. I'm not on there that, that, that much, but I'm definitely on there. Right. Um, and Facebook, uh, I think my username is rachel.boardman13, so you can find me on there. Um, and then if you want to listen to my show as well, it's um, called Beyond, Beyond the Finish Line, and it's, it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Oh, definitely. And I'm going to be tuning in to that show. Um, beyond the finish line. So Rachel, thank you so much for spending the time with us. I love your story. And um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success podcast. Thank you and have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. 
Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.